we've been doing Clit Talk for a while now, over 200 episodes to date, and we have had an influx of new Clitorati, and we still have our consistent OG Clitorati tuning in every week. So we've created a free gift for you. It's called Clit Talk Cliff Notes, the no BS guide to self-pleasure and sexual intimacy. And we're really giving you our best highlight reel of sex tips. We have combined our top sex hacks to give you confidence, communication, orgasms, and the ability to take your pleasure game from zero to a hundred real quick and blow any partner's mind in bed. Included in this bang and free gift is two free audio trainings, self-pleasure is self-love, and our hottest sex tips. We also have unreleased episodes and a fan favorite from our sex and empowerment signature masterclass, an erotic visualization, and a video on orgasmic breathing. Oh, yeah. So to get a little taste of what we do here, you definitely want to sign up for Clit Talk Cliff Notes. Just go to clittalkshow.com backslash guide because clitorati it is possible to have quantum leaps in your sex and empowerment with simple and impactful shifts pussy pussy it's gonna be a good one today yes i'm talking about a clit talk clit talk clit talk talking about a clit talk clit talk clit talk come on girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow bring your pussies to the show Clitorati, we have a very exciting guest back in the studio today. She is the interviewer for for the series Men Who Take Baths, where men in bubble baths are interviewed about what it means to be a man. So the project advocates for gender equity through an interview series, art shows, public discussions on Clubhouse and men's groups. So, and I love this. Their three essential components are connection through conversation, redefining the markers of masculinity. And Men Who Takes Take Baths is a tool for empathy. So we're going to get dive into that. Please welcome back to the studio, Nicole Hodges. Oh, hello. Good to be back. We had so much fun with you in the last episode. We've all decided that we want to be your friend. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) If you didn't listen to her last episode, it was one of the best episodes I've ever done. And she talked, she really had a good laugh because she said they do butt pug brunches. And (laughs) and I was like, what do you do? Like talk about butt plugs? And she's like, Lindsay, you put it in your butt and you go to brunch. You go to brunch. (laughs) I'm like, I feel like I have to do that. (laughs) Um, But we're we're here today to talk about this incredible... um, men in baths movement that you have created. And I first saw, I think I I said in the last podcast, I, um, I like saw a picture of a man in a bath and like this beautiful woman holding like a microphone up to him. And I was like, what is going on here? So I had to investigate it. So that's how we discovered it um, on good old Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're going to just dive right in to this incredible movement that you have created. Um, If you want to know more about Nicole and everything about her, go back and listen to the last week's episode. You can hear everything about her. Um, So today we're really here to talk about this. And so what I want to know is... What inspired you to tackle transforming the culture of masculinity from the bath in your interview series, Men Who Take Baths? Like, how did this idea come to you? Um, I love absurdity. Uh, and so that for sure is that's a starting point. Yeah. 
I I like to say that that men who take baths landed in my brain with such certainty that it felt more like a memory of something I had already done and less of an idea of something that I had yet to do. Mm. And where it came in my brain, which I mean, like creativity is available to all of us. Right. And I think sometimes I picture creativity almost like stars in a sky. And then sometimes something just hits and all of a sudden all those stars make sense and they create a constellation and just like all these little things in your life, um, the good and the bad and the challenging and the triumphant all create the bigger picture and you can seize that and you can kind of encapsulate it and then create something. And I think that's why art is so important and it can say so much in and, and really communicate so much in such a little amount of time. Um, it also universally speaks to us on so many levels um, because it is almost like the, the bottling of life. And so men who take baths, if I try to think of like, what was the thing that put it in my brain, I don't know for sure. I just know the moment that it ended up there. And I was in a plane and I was at that perfect altitude where like your your problems are kind of behind you and then that feeling of, of newness, an adventure of you're going to a new place starts to creep in. And I was looking down at all the rows of houses and I could see all the cars zipping around. And I just thought to myself like, wow, there are so many lives that I'll never know. Mm. And... I learned later that there's a word for that and the word is sonder and it flashed me back. You know, all things are connected. It flashed me back to this poem that I heard when I was like, I don't know, 14 or 15, which, which again, like put into context this idea of stories. And it was, um, you know, the man walked by me on a dark street for a moment illuminated by the lamp and then disappeared again, carrying with him all the stories of his life. Mm. And Mm. I, I just thought, okay, storytelling is how we create empathy. It is the ability to see a piece of yourself in another and love them as you wish to be loved. Mm. And so I just turned to my seatmate, who was my friend, not a stranger, and I was like, I'm going to put men in bathtubs and interview them about masculinity. She was like, okay. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's all it was. It was just this moment of kind of seizing that holy shit, this is so strange that it might work kind of feeling. And it was all set up. It was ready to go. Um, you know, I reached out to men in my life who who were kind of like, you know, first degree friends. They were pretty close already in my circle. I felt like they kind of um, were exemplary of like noble masculine behavior mm. as in they were like good leaders and they were respectful of women and they were good partners and all these things. Yeah. And I asked them to participate. And a couple of days before we were set to film, um, Me Too happened. And the article in the New Yorker about the revelation of of Harvey Weinstein and like the absolute epidemic of sexual assault that was rampant throughout Hollywood and like the whole fucking world became apparent. And I was like, oh, this is why I had to have this in place because this is an opportunity to document the evolution of masculine psychology and male identity mm. in a post Me Too world because shit is about to never be the same. Damn. Whoa. There's something on your website. Like we love Greek mythology here and really taking it back to the you Okay, know, now we can definitely origin be friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
in Pussy or Reclamation, we talk, we talk, we do have a whole episode on this and we talk about it all the time is the, is the pussy flashing myth, mythology, mythological story mm-hmm, about how mm-hmm. it healed the planet, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I was reading on your website at, at how Odysseus, the male warrior mm-hmm. in need of healing, was restored to health when goddess Circe, the feminine archetype, um, bathes him. Mm-hmm. And like mm. when you go into a bath, you descend into the darkness, into the dark world of the unconscious. And bathing is a symbolic transformation when we accept all parts of ourselves. So like this is on your website. And I just thought it was so um, poignant because what you're really doing is initiating these men into an embodied awareness of their feminine psyche through their sensuality. Yes, absolutely. And Yes. Uh, yeah, and pulling pulling from this like you know Greek mythology mythology story, like and bringing it into today, especially at this poignant moment of Me Too when the world is not the same anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's so you're just always so ahead of your time. It's like we talked about in the last episode, the um, big magic, like those downloads, those like divine downloads and then having the courage to follow your GPS, like your great pussy in the sky and listen and actually mm-hmm. execute actions and create art. Mm-hmm. It's just so, it's such a privilege to have you back in the studio again. And I don't really know where I'm going with it, but I just want to make sure <laughs> all that information <laughs> got out. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I, just, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Like, we think you're dope. Thanks. We also we also love mythology. Yes. <laughs> and yes. um yeah. it was a it was a gift that 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 was was given to me. Um I was speaking on a panel, I think it was on Clubhouse, you know, back when Clubhouse kind of was was really big. Yeah. Um for like a second. For like a second. <laughs> and I uh some some good relationships did did come out of my time on Clubhouse for sure. And one of them was uh, someone heard me speak about men who take baths, and this is a who's a psychotherapist who specialized in um, helping veterans with PTSD, and he mm. used a lot of like Jungian psychology and mythology to to kind of like redefine or help them re, like find who they are based on like certain archetypes throughout history, um, and 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 archetypes are just fantastic i mean like joseph campbell talks about this all the time right is that like there's a reason why we resonate so strongly with archetypes they're almost kind of like the like amalgamation of the collective consciousness which is then told to us in storytelling form and like we can all relate to it and identify it in a certain way um he contacted me and he said i really love what you're doing do you realize that you're following a myth and I was like, I do not realize this. Mm. And mm. we we got on a phone call together and he, for about an hour and a half. And he told me about the myth of Odysseus. And I, I really had no idea wow. that, that this is what I was doing. Like I was doing it based again on just like intuition and inner guidance and just like kind of this like blind, brave, kind of this like blind, brave be it would be and be allowed to become. Um, and it was an interaction like that where I'm always looking for little moments, I call them kind of like permission from the universe, then I'm allowed to continue the work. Because if I'm not operating Mm -hmm. from a place of integrity, synchronicities don't really seem to happen to me as much. Those like signs that, you know, I'm on the right track, I I feel kind of off kilter. And there's certain things and this person coming in and being like, this is an ancient myth. And what you're doing is following this. 
it, it, it was, it was permission to continue and to continue bathing men in this way mm. and that you are doing it from the right place. And this is contributing to healing and, and, and collective, collective healing essentially. So yeah, like what you said, it's, it's Circe mm-hmm. is the embodiment of the feminine archetype and healing is wholeness, which is gained through the immersion into the subconscious and it had to be a warrior. It had to be, you know, the ultimate idea of what it meant to be a man, which was like so attached to like violence and stoicism and and a conqueror's mentality. Um, in the myth, Circe, <laughs> this is a funny side note, Circe actually, she's she's known for like turning people into animals. And so when, when, when uh, Odysseus and his men return from the Trojan War, they get stuck on her island. She turns all his men into swine. She turns them all into pigs. Um, which I like because um, one of my submissives is actually a pig. He dresses as a pig. So I was like, oh, my God, I'm Cersei. <laughs> you are. <laughs> you are. So, Which is ironic are. because the Cersei in Game of Thrones is very different from that. <laughs> All right. So... Um, I love that. So much Greek mythology throughout everything that you do. Maybe you're like in a past life, you I were like a no Greek idea. god or something. I feel like there's some past Definitely. life stuff Gotta for sure. That, yeah. um, so, mm-hmm. so you are a journalist and a researcher. So from your research, how would you define toxic masculinity and how how is that currently affecting men and women um, So when I think of toxic masculinity, I think of like hegemonic masculinity, which is this idea, which was this perception of power. And I think a lot of masculinity, a lot of what we're doing right now with gender equity or gender harmony, as, as you guys have put it, is like this redefining our relationship with power. And that's what it has to be because hegemonic masculinity or toxic masculinity is this idea that in order for one to be perceived as most powerful, it requires the subordination of another. And and that is, I think, what we're really trying to redefine when we talk about toxic masculinity. Not to say that all masculinity is toxic because masculinity is purpose-driven. Masculinity is often mm. in response to what the culture needs. So when we talk about patriarchy, patriarchy was important at a time because of what was a, was um, attempted to be accomplished. And a lot of the values at certain times were going out and getting land or going out and murdering others to acquire women or children or slaves or goods or whatever it is. And so at at the time and throughout history, we have had these, these versions of masculinity, which for better or worse, were what was required. We don't need that anymore. So Mm. what is left in its place? This weird, almost like fragmented idea of, okay, if masculinity is purpose-driven, then what is the purpose of man? What are we asking men to be now? And how do we how do we help them change their relationship to power where we're not saying you have to give up power in order for others to be equal? Rather, by you allowing yourself to reconnect with, with feminine aspects of yourself and become whole, you will only become more powerful. Mm. Mm. and it's Mm. not and I think a lot of people get caught up in 
that it is men versus women. And there is an element of that, but there's also like an like masculine. Do you feel that masculine and feminine can live outside of gender? Well, yeah, and I think that's a big, I mean, exploration right now. Um, Simone de Beauvoir, who's a, a French feminist philosopher who I love, wrote the book The Second Sex, and one thing that really stood out to me was when she said trans people are angels, and what she meant by that is trans mm. people will help us begin to eliminate the idea of gender. Um, so then, yeah. you, then you have people in the camp of, okay, well, what about biologically? But that's not, that's not really what we're talking about. What we're talking about is this idea of gender norms. So you are born as a certain gender and you are expected to fulfill certain ideas of what that, what being that gender entails. And so, yes, we can get into conversations about like masculine and feminine polarity. We can get into the biological conversations about gender. We can get into like what gender norms are and how we're trying to get away from that and like what, how pronouns fit into that equation. And I think these are all really important, but to keep it on the track of like masculinity in particular and like how that fits into this paradigm shift that we're trying to create there has to be an understanding that men have inherently been told their entire lives and historically that feminine aspects of themselves make them weak. Therefore, when we're mm. trying to have a discussion with men around you know, women's rights and women's equality, we have to also decondition them from believing that anything feminine is, is weak if we want them to find it within themselves and find strength and power in that. Um, there's, you know, there's this idea of like, what is man if simply not a woman? And what is a woman if simply not a man? And if we continue to have this dialogue of like, these things are separate, um, it's going to be difficult for men to not feel like they're being asked to give up a core tenant of what makes them who they are. Yeah. Well said. Well said. And so, and, um, and so I'm curious, you know, you, you, when you've talked to men about getting in touch with their feminine energy inside of these interviews, what did, what, you know, what did they say? Men. (laughs) Okay. How do I put this? Men want to get it right. They almost like want to Mm. be told what to do. And that's not coming Mm. from a place of like, you're in the wrong and you need to change this. Otherwise you're going to be like ostracized or canceled or whatever it might be, like lose your status. They're simply like, okay, if you're telling me that there's parts of me that I don't have access to because of culture or upbringing or whatever it is, can you guide me? Can you tell me what that is? And I think women, and I know I'm speaking very much in the binary right now, but women are excellent at creating community. We are excellent at talking about our feelings. We are, we are in a sense really good at nurturing and I, I, I 
do believe that's for that's for many reasons, but it almost seems like our ability to see how all things kind of work together is quite strong. And so when a man is sitting in the mm. bath and he's like basically looking at me and going, okay, if you represent the feminine right now, how do I move closer to that? And my response to him is simply to be me and to love him. Then I don't need to try to explain to him how to get closer mm-hmm. to himself and how to begin to heal. I just need to show him because I think that's what we're really good at doing. We're really, really good at just being loving. Mm-hmm. It's almost like what I'm getting is it's really holding space for meeting that person exactly where they're at. It also sounds like this is really healing for you in a way, in, in a reverse way, not in that was not, maybe this wasn't necessarily the intention once create when, mm-hmm. when you created it, but I imagine by just getting to be yourself, oh, yeah. like, and that's the most totally. delicious and place like, to be. As I that's okay. <laughs> on camera. <laughs> um, I, I grew up with an incredibly masculine mother. I'm the oldest sister of two younger boys. And I always felt safer in masculine energy because it allowed me to cut myself off from a lot of, um, like, like feelings. I don't, I don't even really want to call them feelings because it's not necessarily what it was, but like, I was just like, I don't have mothering energy. Like that's not part of who I am. And I allowed myself to believe that Mm -hmm. for a really long time. And again, part of my like whole sexual awakening and shedding shame Mm -hmm. and asking myself that guiding question of like, what if everything you think you know about yourself is wrong? That was one of the things I also asked myself, like, where's, where are you getting this idea from that you don't have this this deep feminine energy within you. And so you're completely right. When I started mm. sitting tub side with these men, I realized that what I was doing for them, I was also doing for myself. I just wasn't in the bath, but I was also connecting with the feminine aspect of myself. And the more that I allowed my energy to almost envelop them, which required tapping into my feminine energy, the more they released and let go and felt safe to trust me to walk with them on that journey. And Mm -hmm. I would say that Men Who Take Baths has also allowed me to be a better woman. Mm -hmm. I'm inspired to like run a bath for my partner this weekend when we get home from Hawaii. Like we are facilitating this retreat and we are exhausted from all the transformation in the most amazing way, right? And um, I haven't seen him take a bath in over five years. Yeah. My my husband takes a bath every day. It's actually really his sacred time. And what I'm really Mm -hmm. hearing from you is women today, like we, we work, we're mothers, we have to like do it all. And I became a mother two years ago and I was so fearful I knew I would be a great mom, but I didn't think I would be able to maintain the masculine sides of myself, which really empower me and make me the best version of myself. And finding, I'm just really hearing like by men and bass uh, is actually access 
for women to open and receive as well. Because that's been like my entire journey on Clit Talk is like, oh, how good am I willing to have it? You yep. know? That's the question. Um, that is yeah. our guiding question. <laughs> my, my partner's six foot four, so it's really hard for him to find a bath that he fits into, but maybe we can go to a hotel with extra large baths. <laughs> Um, there, there's, there's one, um, Nicole, there's one question in particular that I really loved from your interviews and it was, what's the difference between performative reconciliation and an embodied apology? Can we dive into that a little bit yeah, more? Yeah, I mean, I would love that. to hash that out with you guys because by no means do I have the answer. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm encountering this a lot um, I considered me too a bit of a pendulum. I think we all did in a sense. And it was, you know, you know, the, it was, it was the wrecking ball that obliterated a lot of bad behavior and rightfully so. And then mm-hmm. it was almost like the pendulum swung too far and cancel culture became rampant. And now we're kind of seeing that, okay, like that didn't really work. Um, so then can we have, reconciliation like can restorative justice be the next thing that we do but we don't really know how to make victims feel completely heard and not that they're just being like shoved aside for the sake of like things getting better but we also don't really know how to react to men having done you know bad things um and we like we just don't we just don't have the answer to that yet and 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 i don't um I think when it comes to an apology, I mean, like, listen, I'm, I'm privy to a lot of, uh, I'm, I'm privy to a lot of stories from men of things that they've done that they're not proud of. Um, and they feel really comfortable talking to me about these things. And my question is like, well, what are you doing now? And, you know, I, we can talk about then, um, so, so you, you know, and you can have like a cathartic release if that's what you need. We can like, I'll hold you, I'll hold space for you. You can cry about it. You can scream about it. You can get mad. You can, you know, you can talk about your father and your mother and all these things, but like, like, where are you at now and what are you doing now? And this, this idea of an apology, like, I mean, I don't know, maybe let's talk about it. Like, what's the difference between saying that you're sorry and and embodying sorry? Yeah. Well, and you you bring up a really, you know, where and where is the line to, I think, you know, Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, obviously (laughs) they don't like, to me, I would be like, they don't deserve forgiveness. They've crossed the line. But forgiveness is not for the uh, like the abuser or for the person that hurt you. It doesn't always have to be abusive. I would say an, an embodied apology is truly feeling remorse, doing the work to be better and not expecting yeah. anyone to forgive you. And, mm. and, 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 it's, and I think that it's, if you're truly sorry, I think that you also go on the journey of learning to forgive yeah. yourself. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen, I've seen men come yeah. out as better men because of these things and because they're sorry. Like I've seen 
the courses that they've taken or the way that they've consulted with other women in their lives or like, you know, something like the world of BDSM. It's so consent focused. Like I've seen men who have been (laughs) accused of sexual assault or who have done things in their lives where they're like, could I get accused of sexual assault? Go into BDSM communities with like such trepidation being like, are, are you sure this is the place for me? Is this the place I should be? But it's like, yeah, because you're going to really, really learn what consent is. And this is a fantastic community for you to be part of that's going to teach you that in a way that it's like non-negotiable and also sexy and requires so much self-analysis and is such like a step-by-step process where like you can't just say, well, I didn't know any better because there's these, these are the communities where like you have to know better and then you have to do even better. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and that's yeah, maybe right. like an unconventional way. Like, what do you mean someone who's been accused of sexual assault or think that might've been possible is going into a hypersexualized BDSM community. It's like, that doesn't make sense at all. Actually it does. It, it actually does. Who yeah, it actually teach? does. Yeah, sugar. <laughs> Absolutely. Sugar. Sugar and I are a part of a, a very, I would say, extraordinarily sex positive friend group. Um, and family. And, and you know, the three of us are very sex positive. Madison and I sort of dabble more in the poly world than Katie does. Katie doesn't. That's not her jam. <laughs> not at all. Um, and, and 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 I find myself. You know, I have a lot of. I would say friends who don't have the in-depth understanding of consent that my more sex positive friends do, whether it's lack of education or lack of interest, mm-hmm. right? And I find myself, you know, even if I'm at a, a play party or a sex party, I feel safer with that crew of individuals than I do sometimes at like a party where people mm. aren't as educated in consent, and so you bring up a really good point. Like we're talking about, you know, performative reconciliation and embodied apology. Like I think people really need to educate themselves on consent yes, culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, whether you're in a BDSM group or not. Right. You know? And you know, the I, thing about apologies is like when someone hmm. you can feel it when when someone when you know when someone means it, you can fucking feel it. And yeah. like that goes for ourselves too, like when we're like truly being an authentic. And I'm, I kind of want to add that word in too, like, you know, and then this like idea of like an authentic embodied apologize that can, that can be felt, that, that goes beyond just the words itself, but could really also be like an, a gaze of the eyes and maybe a commitment or declaration mm-hmm. for moving forward. I, I, this kind of, this conversation is kind of like, my heart is like racing right now and it's like, when uh, we started Clit Talk during the Me Too movement, and I had a colleague, I worked in um, television. I've worked in television for 13 years. And I, my colleague, my partner was made an example of mm. during the Me Too movement. And, um, and it was like after the big, big heavy hitters like were eliminated and it was very clear that the behavior was... Needed to be done. That need, the conversation needed to be done. And um, but I see my friend now, where I had to be an advocate for him. I had to write to the medical board for him to be able to keep his medical license. Like wow. he can. I'm I'm a nurse, and I worked in medical television. And um, and I'm going to keep him anonymous, even though his story was so public, because um, I just don't want to 
bring it back up for him because it was so traumatic. His life is still not the same. And he will probably never get to work and do what he loves ever again. And, um, And I really do feel like, yes, maybe there was some education, but there was no... Um, in accepting, I'm, I'm, I want to, like, we've talked about BDSM and like looking at that, but looking at like how in a corporate situation, how, where do we need, what do we need to do to get to a place where we can actually accept a poor performative reconciliation or an embodied apology so that some sort of restoration can happen for these men who were actually canceled and they, they lost everything. Well, and, and um, yeah, I just am mm. in the inquiry of it right now because I'm like, mm. well, that's still mm. suffering. Yeah. Right. I mean, the same thing happened to my partner too. He was fired because of a sexual harassment complaint, completely lost his, his television gig as well. And I think that like the other side of consent, right? Like having consent be an agreement of everyone is having these people that feel violated or whatever, have a conversation with that person first and be empowered around that rather than just reporting them to HR. Yeah. I, and not really definitely... understanding the ramifications of that. Yeah. yeah. You know, like that's the other side of consent, right? Is the other people, you know, having like taking their power and managing it. Like, look, I know every situation is different, right? Like sometimes it's not safe to do that. And I get that. But that is the other side of it, right? Like, I'm I'm going to be binary right now. Like, uh, I think us as women, if you feel safe, like have a conversation with that person first because they might not realize that they're making you uncomfortable. You guys, we just yeah. like don't. We just like you don't know, know and, how to. And, we just yeah. we just like don't know how to talk about nuance. So like we're kind of fucked. I know. Um, yeah. I know. Uh, yeah, nuance. Keyword nuance. Like, we just yeah. you know, nuance. Yeah. And I just want to bring attention to like thank you both like thank you to I mean all of you obviously for sharing that and like ah uh, fuck. I can't talk too much about it um because it's still going through the court system, but like my partner too. Like Yeah. And it's I've watched my par- I've watched yeah, him like my part fall apart for the last three years and uh like suffer yep. from severe depression. Like I'm, you know, yep. contacting like psychotherapists to help him because it's like that bad. Um, and I think the part oh, that sorry. gets me the most is that, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I'll say from my perspective, it feels like a risk to me to empathize with that right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm it feels like a risk to even say, what do we do for the men? Yeah. Mm. As you're saying that, I realize I don't talk about what happened to my partner ever. No, ever. And I like, I had almost like locked it in a box and like hadn't thought about it till this conversation, but it had like a massive impact on our lives. And it was this person who... Like the claim was, and it, and it was really confusing for me because I was like, my partner wouldn't do that. And then yeah, you're like, am totally. I crazy? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and it, and it was like, 
it definitely like impacts men on like a mental and a career level. Like, and it's not. No. <sighs> but you're right. It is new. I think Every Nicole, situation I think Nicole, is different. You hit it in, yeah. <laughs> It's the nuance. It's the nuance. Part. Yeah, like it nuance. wasn't like the rape, right? Like that, that all, all of that exposing yeah. yourselves, like tricking women to come to your bed. Like that's, that's not what no. we're talking about here. We're talking about like the nuanced situations where like, we all know what we're talking about, but how do you, where's the line? How do you, yeah. Where's the line? How do you shift it? How do we all like get better at communicating and setting that our value-based yeah. boundaries? Because it goes, it goes both ways. And you're right. It, it, I do feel like totally. at risk talking about this no, right I'm like, now. It's almost, like, it's what's ironic is like, this is more taboo than talking exactly. about like sex. It's true. Exactly. Right now. This is probably the most yeah, taboo conversation we've ever taboo. had on the show. I'm kind of like, <laughs> in this moment. Yeah, the in this moment. This, the out, like, this is live. This is live. <laughs> I know. I'm sweating. like, do I say it? Does it compliment my work? Like, are people going to think of, you know, and it's like, I'm, are people going to stop listening to the podcast now because they didn't like here's something the thing. we said? Like, here's the thing. This is the most authentic conversation I think we've had on the show in a while. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I think that everyone will love us more for that. That's my declaration. Love you, Clitorati, all y'all out there listening. This and I think been, the thing is, is, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. I love it when you like start talking as I'm talking and get inspired <laughs> from what I say. Please oh continue. God. Well, I think, I think, we're, you know, we're in the yeah. inquiry of like, how, what's the resolution? Like, what's the end game with this? And I think that that's a question that I would love to hear from our listeners if they have any um, particular point of view of, of like where together, this is our community. Like we, we are the voices on the podcast and Nicole is our guest today. But what, what is, what, this is like the blank mm. slate. Right? Yeah. Like we actually get to say how it goes. Yeah. What is restorative yeah. justice? And is that even the word? Is that even the idea? Like I know people like to push up against that and it's like, okay, then have mm-hmm. we just like not landed on the thing that it is yet? And is it, and you know, I think last episode, you know, Lindsay, you said oh, one of the sexiest things is curiosity. Like why can't curiosity in this realm be just as sexy? Like why can't that yeah. exploration and like being being wrong or not having landed at, at the right answer yet be part of the process. Like if we lose the ability and that's like so much yeah. of what men who take vows is, is it is, it's like we can't lose the ability to speak to one another. Yeah. Right. As we're chatting, I'm like, ah, I'm getting where the inspiration <laughs> really came from. Like the heart of this conversation. You're like, I got it. It's like, all right, let's just let's yeah. take a step back and take a bath. Yeah. 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 Like, come back to me. We can't argue I need a bath right now, bath. damn it. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, and and just bringing leaning into that empathy, like what can we do but more, you know, who can we be in this conversation because I don't know that there's anything we can do. Mm-hmm. But who at we this can time. be well, at this and time. I, yeah. I think I think and, sometimes it is stepping outside of the problem, right? Like what can, if you focus on the what to or how to, sometimes you can get lost in the swirl of the, of the, of the, I'll call it an issue for lack of a better term or the problem. And, and sometimes all it is, is, and I think what the three of us and Nicole are doing is just, what is your commitment for the future? What do you want the future to look like? And just sort of being willing to dance in -hmm. what's going on and stick to your commitment and to continue to have micro and macro conversations and, 
and have a little faith, I think, like in the universe, like trust that that pendulum will eventually. And like, you know, you know, pray a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I love how we were like, this is going to be quick, Nicole. We're going to get you in and out. We totally no, lied matter. to you. We will. I mean, you guys want to hang out? What are we doing? We're going to drink after tangent. this. Like, come on. Let's, let's, this yeah. never has to end. Just like, take a bath. The revolution has started. <laughs> well, and, it, and 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 speaking to that, you know, Nicole, you have created many um, resources for men's groups. You have virtual gatherings um, and uh, baths, you know, and the events that you have. Can you speak to a little um, some of the resources that you do have, and the um, the best way for people to get in touch with you or be a part of this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I and, mean, like I have to give um, a huge yeah. shout out to Flynn Skidmore and Flynn um, is a psychotherapist and he runs our men's groups. Cause I think it's really important for mm. men to have a gathering place as well. Um, and they, you know, they get together in their own baths on zoom once a week and they just talk. Um, yeah, and it's been really special. I love yeah, that it's, and, so and you know, much. it's funny because like at the <laughs> beginning, I was like, okay, you know, we're gonna run these men's group. They got to be super structured because I need the men to feel like they really got something out of it. And I realized that I was looking at men through the lens of what I thought men wanted, based on an a preconceived idea of men. And I was like, no, no, no. The reason why men who take baths is so powerful and is different than other men's groups is because it's run by a woman. So. What are women really yeah. good at? We're good at just getting together and just talking, just talking with no agenda and no goal and just being. And so I was like, that's what it's going to be. So these yeah. men's groups are just a place for men to be. And we're launching another one um, in January and it's going to be a six week program where we're going to bring in guests. And it's again, like men who uh -oh. take baths is about redefining the markers of masculinity. And I think with a lot of, men's groups which again they're great but I think there's still this idea of like this is the version of man that you need to be in order to even if that's like the modern version there's still this idea where we're co-creating the markers of masculinity like what man do you want to be we're not going to tell you that you have to be this certain way we're going to allow you and give you space to just discover that for yourself um by nice. exposing wow. you to different things that you might not usually be exposed to. Things like seducing yourself in the mirror or, you know, um, what we were talking about last time, like meditative masturbation and microdosing, mm -hmm. um, just like different, different things that come so easily to women, like sitting and talking, calling your friend, talking about how you feel, all these things. So we're creating that in January. If you want to be a part of that, come Amazing. to, um, wow. the men who take baths Instagram. It's just at men who take baths and the form will be posted there actually today. So, and today is the 18th oh, of November. Amazing. So by the time you hear this, it will be posted. Okay. All right. We'll post it in Thank our you. stories as well. You um, are so smart. I'm like so turned on by these two interviews that we did with you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Such an intelligent yes. woman. Yes. Very, we, very brilliant. I, we we all hope this is just the beginning of a beautiful collaboration between Clit Talk Absolutely. and Nicole Hodges. Um, yeah, you're 
your commitment is profound. You know, talking about commitments, it really is. And it's been an honor to be in these, you know, conversations with you. And I think it's just the beginning. I think we're going to see great, great things from you. (laughs) And, um, and uh, yeah. So, and uh, so the men who take baths is the Instagram um, clitorati. We will have all of the links and information of how to get in touch with Nicole. If you do want to see our beautiful shining faces, (laughs) if you're listening to this on audio, we do, all of our episodes are now on our YouTube so you can see all of our expressions and our shocked looks. Um, The YouTube is just youtube.com backslash clit talk. Um, Nicole, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You you gave us way more time than we asked for. And we really, we do not, we do not take it lightly. We, we really, really appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, I honestly think these are two of the best episodes we've ever done, like thank hands you. down for, for real. all of you. I really, I really appreciated yeah. this conversation. I feel really connected to all of you. So thank you. Fantastic. All Aww. right. So with that clitorati, we're going to see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you liked this and are curious about our Clit Talk curriculum, we have a wait list for our upcoming free workshops and our Sex and Empowerment Signature Masterclass in 2022. Nothing like starting the new year guided by pleasure. Sign up for the wait list to come tap into your pussy sanctuary with Katie, myself, Sugar, and Lindsay at www.clittalkshow.com backslash waitlist. That's clittalkshow.com backslash waitlist.